Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I'm so glad you're here. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. I see that so many of you are listening to and using the Daily Affirmations episode, and I hope it continues to be a tool that you use for support, encouragement, and strengthening your daily meditation practice. So today, we'll be talking about rejection. And it's almost as if I'm allergic not just to the Pacific Northwest, where I'm currently struggling to breathe, but I'm also allergic to discussing fun, happy things. But my goal is always to touch on what brings us all together. I want us to explore our common experiences that we tend to struggle with in isolation and bring them into the light. I love that Mr. Rogers quote where he said that anything that's human is mentionable, and anything that is mentionable can be more manageable. When we can talk about our feelings, they become less overwhelming, less upsetting, and less scary. So in my own life, I have a pretty big interview tomorrow morning for what I would probably consider my dream job. Creating this episode on rejection is actually pretty helpful because it's prepping me in a way that all the research and all the practicing for my interview can't do because it's reminding me that no matter what happens tomorrow, it will never change who I am at my core. It doesn't have an impact on my self-worth. And everyone has the right to choose whether they want me around or don't want me around. And, and that's okay. This organization gets to decide what's best for them tomorrow. And I get to decide what's best for me. And so I'm going to dive into this episode. And I'm going to stay out of the future and perseverating on what may or may not happen. So that is what we're going to do this week as we explore all the different angles of rejection. This includes rejection in romantic partnerships, family of origin, in-laws, community, and even your profession. Rejection is one of the most common human experiences. If you put yourself out there in any way, if you are in any relationships, a part of any community, if you work for anyone or interact with clients, if you're simply living and breathing, you will eventually be rejected for something or by someone. And despite the fact that this is such a common human experience, no one ever really talks to us about how to deal with rejection, how to prepare for the thoughts and feelings it brings up, how to shift our perspective or take accountability or release ourselves from the story we make up about who we are and why we were rejected. It's important to learn how to navigate rejection and how to find healthy coping methods. And if we were never taught how to do this, at some point we have to learn or we continue a loop of self-sabotage. Rejection brings up big feelings around not being chosen, being disregarded and forgotten or deemed invisible, undesirable, or unattractive in some way. Experiencing rejection can set off a chain of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual consequences for us, both internally and externally. Rejection increases anger, irritability, shame, anxiety, self-consciousness, low self-esteem, depression, obsession, and maybe even jealousy. In some cases, rejection can distort your perception and push against your boundaries or move you to cross someone else's boundaries while in a moment of reactivity. And when we are not in the midst of experiencing rejection, 
we can hear all that I just shared and think, oh my God, no, absolutely not. Not me. I would never do that. I would just move on. But as with so many other aspects of our lives, sometimes we behave, respond, and react in ways that would shock us. I want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of this podcast. Snake River Roasting Company is an organic coffee roaster located in the beautiful mountains of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Not only do they roast award-winning coffees, but their mission and commitment to supporting the rights of women farmers around the world are just incredible. I start every single morning with a cup of their Fire on the Mountain organic coffee blend. And if you're anything like me, and you're particular about what you eat and drink and how it's sourced, Snake River Roasting Company has a free shipping code for you to give their delicious coffee coffee a taste. Head to their website, snakeriverroastingco.com and use the code coffeelove at checkout for free shipping on all domestic coffee orders. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In previous episodes, I've talked about the stories we tell ourselves when we're feeling reactive, hurt, scared, or shamed about people, places, and things in our present and past. These stories arise from deeply subconscious automatic programming and can be incredibly challenging to rewire in our body, mind, and spirit. It takes work to put down our old story and rewrite a new one. So how does this coincide with rejection? Maybe the story we tell ourselves about who rejected us, why we were rejected, or the story around our self-worth no longer applies to our reality. And it is our response to rejection, or our reaction, which is different from a response, to this that it causes more suffering than the actual rejection itself. And let's just say it, rejection feels awful. It honestly feels terrible. And it feels bad even when it's good for us. Rejection feels horrible even when it redirects us, even when we deserve more and better than the person, place, or thing that rejected us. Rejection says we don't belong and it triggers our survival instincts to kick into gear. It's hard to be ostracized from the pack. So let's not dismiss that or bypass it in this conversation because honoring our feelings is so important, especially when those feelings are like icky or distasteful or they make us uncomfortable or we just really don't wanna look at them. Those feelings are probably our best teachers and the ones most necessary to observe. I always feel that exploring our own history and unpacking our stories is a powerful way to show up for the reality of life on life's terms with both presence and acceptance. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves difficult questions and keep asking them until we can coax out the truth because the truth may not always be the first, second, or third answer. There's layers of protection that we have to move through. So if you're listening right now, What thoughts, feelings, associations, or reactions does rejection bring up for you? How does it affect you physically, mentally, spiritually, or emotionally? Take a moment to drop into your body 
and notice where rejection lives. Why did some rejection affect you so much more than others? How do you think, live, feel, communicate, or behave differently after being rejected? What was your first or most memorable experience with rejection? What impact did it have on your life? How did you respond to the next rejection that came your way? Rejection is seen in our body language, posture, eye contact, energy level, nonverbal cues, and our communication style. So how do you wear your rejection? What does it look like on you? At the core of all these questions is probably the most important one. Can you get to a place where you are curious about rejection, where you can witness it, ask questions, and observe it without taking it personally? And is there anyone in your life who modeled this behavior? If so, how did they experience rejection? I bring this up because when we experience rejection, we so often internalize it and play the tape in our head that we aren't good enough, and that this rejection is a personal failure instead of finding some acceptance that to be rejected is to be completely human, and we all go through it. Dr. Tema has a beautiful podcast where she explores similar topics to the ones we do here, and I remember listening to one of her episodes on rejection, and she asked an important question about this. It was, does being rejected lead you to reject yourself? So take a moment to consider that. At the point of rejection, what we most need is presence, support, that feeling of being held, finding our breath, finding our feet, and remembering our self-worth. It's the most ideal time to work on self-acceptance and soothing the inner child within all of us who just cringes at the thought of not being chosen. But instead, what do most of us do? We respond to the rejection as if it's our identity, instead of something that simply happens to us and happens to all of us. It might be a decision that someone makes about us, but it's not who we are. Some of us turn on ourselves in that moment, and I'm not just talking about self-abandonment, but self-harm. Others among us have to be honest and realize that we turn on others when we are rejected because it triggers something so unacceptable within us that we have to disperse that feeling onto someone else. This has been such a challenging year for so many people with regard to their finances and professions. I have friends who work their whole lives to build their dream business, only to lose it during the economic shutdowns and have someone say, oh, just get another job, what's the big deal? And so a lot of us are trying to shift in our professions and keep a roof over our heads and take care of family. And in that process, we are putting ourselves out there and we're putting out resumes, we're going on interviews. And so rejection is really, I just feel like it's really on the surface right now and a lot of people are in touch with it. So I do hope that this episode can help some of you walk through that the same way I'm trying to walk through that. You know, who knows what happens in my job interview tomorrow. We all have the freedom to make decisions about our wants and needs. Every single one of us is allowed to reject others. And I'm going to say that again because I know it's hard to accept, but people are allowed to reject you. I think it's important to mention the full spectrum of rejection 
and include that other people have the right to their choices. So someone rejecting you does not mean it's open season on them or an opportunity for you to vomit your feelings on them or assassinate their character. Other people are only responsible for themselves. And lucky for us, we are responsible for ourselves. So developing tools in this area to minimize our self-sabotaging or lashing out behaviors is definitely helpful. It's in these moments when we step into reactivity that we have to ask ourselves, am I allowing the rejection to define me? Am I handing my power over to someone else's perception of me? Am I a victim of someone else's fluctuating desire? And we have to commit to taking that pause and asking ourselves the hard questions because if we allow others to dictate our response or our reaction to rejection, they're going to start being able to dictate our response to success as well. And we just don't want to hand that over so easily. If you're a listener of this podcast, you know how I feel about advice that rhymes. I'm not a fan, (laughs) but sometimes it actually does work. And I've seen a lot of memes on Instagram almost every day, and they all say the same thing over and over again. Rejection is just redirection. And I absolutely agree with that. And I agree with it even when it's hurtful or infuriating or in direct opposition to the things that I want in my own life. There is at times a massive chasm between what I think I want or need and what's actually best for me. And usually I can't see it, even when it's right in front of me. So in those moments when you're feeling like rejection is just, you know, there's no way that this is the right thing to happen, it's really helpful to take a pause and say, maybe I don't know the whole story. And maybe this rejection is just a comma in the sentence and it's not the period. One thing that I've noticed from conversations and shares and the support groups I've led is that rejection, much like trauma, compounds. It layers, it builds, it binds, so that even when our current rejection may not be that extreme, it can build on the story from the previous rejections and can elicit heightened responses from us. That's reason enough to unpack it and develop tools for resilience and emotional sobriety so that we can meet our thoughts and feelings with appropriate and relatable responses in your attempt to reestablish that connection after being rejected. I'm sure none of us wants to admit it that we've ever had an experience or related to that in any way because it brings up so many feelings of discomfort. In these dynamics, some people even try to reestablish an emotional connection by picking a fight, causing a problem, starting a rumor, or even leading a smear campaign against the person or place that rejected them. While this connection might be a negative one, it's still loaded with emotion. And that can trick someone into feeling as if they're still connected to you in some way. Freud introduced us to the term reenactment, which aligns with our discussion about rejection because an example of reenactment would be a childhood spent with a caregiver who struggled with addiction issues. You might find yourself in adulthood playing out this family dynamic in your own relationships by trying to create intimate bonds with people who struggle with their own addiction issues or attachment issues, where we will ultimately always be rejected in some way. Playing out this family scenario over and over again in adulthood can offer us a false sense of control because we're adults now, right? 
we know better. We didn't have the tools or the vocabulary or the agency when we were a child yearning for the affection of our caregiver. But maybe we can make it right in our adult relationships. And that's what we're telling ourselves. But really, we're just repeating what we know. And we can't be too hard on ourselves or others about this because it's rarely, if ever, a conscious choice. If there's a pattern that we were raised in, it can feel very unsafe to break the habit when we're exploring new relationships, even if it harms us. It's important to discuss some of the positive aspects of rejection after all that we've just talked about, and there's always benefits to anything. So with rejection, we can develop perspective, self-reflection, accountability, resilience, and discernment. The discernment aspect of rejection may be the most important. It encourages us to ask ourselves, Am I in love with and committed to the process, or am I laser-focused on the result? This is especially true if we are rejected in our craft, our profession, our talent, or something we're passionate about, or something that we've worked for. Artists are rejected every single day and have to pick themselves up and keep going. And the reason they're able to do that is because it's not just about the end result, it's about the process. And I want to shift here and take this discussion in a new and slightly challenging direction, because so far we've been talking about rejection under the assumption that it is not based on who we are or what we've done. But how do we cope with rejection when it's based on something we've said or something we've done? Instead of deflecting any and all personal accountability, how do we reflect? How do we really check in with ourselves and say, well, what's my part in it? Because there will be moments in life when people will reject us based on something we've said or done. And it's important to accept that because once we accept that, we can shift it from shame into a teachable moment. In my own life, I've rejected people based on things they've said or done that was in direct conflict to my boundaries and character. I can think of one or two people I dated who would prefer to dive headfirst into the reactive and falsely empowering energy of anger that bubbles up after having been rejected rather than pausing and taking a personal inventory to ask themselves, did I cross any of her boundaries? I mean, she was pretty clear about what she didn't like or didn't want. Did I violate this other person in some way? Have I taken too many liberties with a casual relationship and assumed I'd have another chance based on my past experiences versus what the person in front of me was telling me? Rejection can teach us so much about our own pain points our character defects, our boundaries, our ability to communicate and listen in our areas for potential growth and maturity. Using myself as another example, I won't ever allow anyone to disrespect me verbally. Ever. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) To be clear about that. Not in my family, not in the workplace, and certainly not in a romantic partnership. That is just not something I do. New Yorkers are built different. (laughs) So someone raising their voice to me or cussing at me is completely unacceptable to me. And I don't have to be reactive about it. I personally feel very at peace that this is my boundary. There's no discussion. There's no lashing out. I just know that I don't accept that. And I make it very clear. So if someone can't follow through with that and respect it, They've almost rejected themselves because I was clear about my boundaries. 
But still, that has been a shocking surprise at times in partnerships. And when I've rejected someone based on them crossing a verbal boundary with me that I clearly defined early on, I've been met with all of their big feelings around rejection. And if you're repeatedly crossing someone's boundaries and creating situations where you will ultimately be rejected, it's not really that person's responsibility to guide you or teach you or allow you another opportunity to do it again. In those situations, the questions that should be asked are, why did I knowingly cross this person's boundaries and create a situation where they would reject me? Why did I do that? Why did I want to justify my anger towards them? And that's a very difficult question to ask yourself in the moment when you're triggered in some way. That's why I always encourage the practice of taking a conscious mini personal inventory on a regular basis so that you can begin to identify self-sabotaging patterns before they begin. Sometimes it takes rejection to bring us to our knees and hit rock bottom or look in the mirror in order to learn from a situation and say, how do I take responsibility for myself? Is this a pattern in my life? Does this keep happening in relationships or at work? And am I shocked every time? Like, what is my part in it? And can I do something about it? And with anything that we ask ourselves, I always encourage balance. So I want to make that very clear because I do realize that anything I'm saying in this episode can be drastically misinterpreted and you're allowed to misinterpret me, but finding balance, finding accountability, saying what is my part in it and am I keeping my side of the street clean? So far, we've been discussing rejection from the perspective of someone who has experienced rejection. But let's take a moment and explore what rejection feels like when you are the person who is rejecting someone else. And a lot of people have a hard time with this, of setting that boundary, of identifying their self-worth, of holding people accountable or to a standard. And it's just not easy, even for some of us who have healthy boundaries or believe that we're good communicators or have been trained in this professionally, you know, people who quote unquote do the work. It's, it's a human experience and it's very hard to reject others. And it's especially difficult if you've been programmed, as so many of us have, to compromise or people please or keep the peace all at the expense of your mental, emotional, and physical safety. And I think it's really important to point out to whoever is listening, peace should not compromise your boundaries. Peace should validate your boundaries. And so as with any type of emotional muscle or coping skills, this might take practice. Practice identifying your boundaries, your wants, your needs. Practicing, does that make me uncomfortable? Does that go against something I said I wanted? Do I feel like I'm being pushed in a direction that's not in alignment with my boundaries? Sometimes we have to practice saying no to the small things that we don't want so that we are easily able to tap into that muscle and say no to the bigger things that cross our boundaries. Compromise is beautiful, and I think it's very important in relationships. But as I said earlier, balance in all things is so important. Am I manipulating through compromising? Am I minimizing my own voice? Am I putting myself in danger in order to compromise? Because at that point, I don't know if it's 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply compromising any there's also a distorted perception with regard to compromise and we may have this of ourselves or others may have this of us as being the altruistic one the benevolent one the peaceful one and what we actually are is the person who's just not being honest the person who's secretly resentful because we can't say no the word no has been demonized and it's actually a very useful tool And for the record, the word no is a complete sentence. You don't need to provide a thesis for why you don't want something or why you find something unacceptable. And I know that that can be really hard to integrate or or practice in our own lives, but I'm going to remind you of that. The word no is a complete sentence. I think that sometimes this is seen as a very controversial viewpoint. And we're in a time where I'm seeing so many people, either on social media or in their businesses, identifying as an empath. And there is nothing wrong with being an empath or being empathetic. But there is a difference between having an elevated sense of emotional and energetic intelligence and awareness or being codependent with no boundaries. Because those are not the same things. And very often I'm seeing them be conflated. Codependency is often misunderstood as just being overly loving, when actually it's the sign of a very one-sided relationship. And it's a complex form of manipulation where one person in the relationship undermines another person's individuality. And I'm not sharing this in order for anyone to weaponize that word because I feel like that happens so often as well. We see something that catches our eye or, you know, makes us feel like we were right about a thought we had and we immediately weaponize it. And I have the utmost compassion for people who are experiencing codependency. So maybe some of this information is just helpful to offer perspective and clarity about what that must be like for them instead of pointing a finger at them and saying, well, how am I like that in some ways? The codependent relationship satisfies one person's need to feel competent, and their low self-esteem is boosted by comparing themselves to their dysfunctional partner. People who exhibit codependent characteristics are often deep down really afraid of being rejected or abandoned, even if they can function on their own. And the enabling behavior is a way to mitigate fears of abandonment. And so again, as I'm talking about that, it's not pointing fingers at anyone else. It's offering the utmost compassion because I'm sure at some point we have all done that. Whether that's in a workplace or in partnership, we've all had moments where we were not looking at ourselves in the mirror, but looking at someone else because it made us feel better. So what do we do with our big feelings around rejection, no matter what they are? For me, it always helps to do the things that will soothe and support my nervous system so that I can do what I mentioned earlier and actually be curious about rejection instead of devastated by it. 
I don't want to walk through my life devastated. <laughs> I don't want every strong breeze to be able to knock me over. I want to be curious about what's happening and being able to move with it. For me, meditation and breath work are ways to develop the ability to reset my nervous system and decompress in moments when I begin to feel out of place in my environment or if I'm not feeling secure in my own body. And I think it's really important, again, to build these muscles because I can say, meditation's great. I love doing it. And if I haven't been practicing it regularly, it can be really hard to drop into that space. And that's why I created that I am affirmation. And that was for anyone who struggles with a meditation practice. It's not easy to sit in silence. It's not easy to focus on one thing until we can drop into a space where we're just sort of at peace and held by the universe. I mean, it sounds great, but it's really hard to do because you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, well, I have to go to the grocery store and I have to pay this bill. And I can't believe she said that. And I can't believe I did that. And what did I say when I was in fourth grade? You know, all these things come up when we're trying to meditate because as soon as the body becomes still, the mind takes over. So I'm always going to encourage practicing these things in moments of calm, in moments when you think you don't need them so that you can integrate them into your life in moments where you are feeling really anxious or really self-conscious or, or in moments of shame. You want to be able to tap into those muscles easily. I'm also a big fan of doing personal inventories and putting pen to paper. A few episodes back, I went through how to do a very simple and clear personal inventory, and I'm sure I'll talk about it again at some point on this podcast. But getting your feelings, your thoughts on paper and being able to clearly see almost like a roadmap of like, what was my part in it? What can I do about it? I think a journaling practice also helps this. And so many of you joined me on the Plant Seeds Make Waves journaling practices we did a few months ago. And I'm happy to tell you that I'm actually turning it into a book. So a daily journaling practice can offer you that opportunity to just ask yourselves the questions that you may not want to ask that might chip away at some of your armor and reveal a little bit more of your truth. I also love yin yoga, and I wanted to talk about this because it's all well and good to be stuck in our own heads and you know <laughs> processing our own thoughts, but what about our body? And I do think it's important to bring our body into it because shame lives in the body. Rejection lives in the body. And what I love about yin yoga is that it's one of the most approachable lineages of yoga. And it's not about engaging your muscles and doing these complex postures where you know you can barely hold yourself up. Yin yoga is complex in its simplicity. So in yin yoga, we hold postures for almost four minutes and we don't engage muscles. We use and amplify the connective tissue in the body. And that really supports our nervous system. So I would definitely suggest taking a class or maybe checking it out on YouTube. I'm sure there's tons of free classes and giving it a try. The name of this podcast is Love Letters and Mixtapes, and the inspiration for that was a desire to write, share, and talk about things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, three years ago, or yesterday. And if I was going to write a love letter to my younger self about rejection, it would probably go something like this. Kid, get ready, because you are going to deal with so much rejection in your life. 
it is going to be pretty hurtful at times. You'll find yourself feeling like the ugly duckling, just not fitting in with certain people or scenes. And there are going to be moments when you're overwhelmed by the pain of feeling as if you just don't belong here on earth at all. But you absolutely do. And you will do more than just belong. You will be necessary. You've just always wanted more. You've always had more capacity and more curiosity. The world is a big, beautiful place, and it wants you to see it. So sometimes it's going to make you really uncomfortable so that you'll keep going and not get stuck in one place or with people who are meant to teach you lessons but not be bound to them for a lifetime. The letting go will teach you so much about letting in. And the things you cry over, the things you have anxiety about, the things that don't want you or the things that broke your heart, most of them weren't even good enough for you. And if you had been given every single thing that you ever thought you wanted, you would have sold yourself short by miles. Whew. So <laughs> I hope I've provided a wraparound view of rejection and offered some alternative ways to look on it and ways that we can all reflect. I feel like I touched on most angles that would apply to anyone listening, but I'm sure it's a topic I'll revisit again. What I would love most of all is for every single one of us, me included, to release ourselves from what we think we know about things. And in doing this, make room for clarity, a shift in perspective, the development of coping methods and emotional tools that will serve us in the future. So much of what we explored here is also about looking at rejection less like a punishment and more like a teachable moment. What is this rejection showing me about my own thoughts, my own methods of self-soothing, my reactivity, my shame, my willingness to stop attacking myself or others? I wanted to close with a quote I heard in a meeting a long time ago, and I wrote it down, and it's by Mark H. He said, if you get your sense of self from outside of yourself, then you're in trouble because something outside of you has to change or get better in order for you to be okay. And that's a horrible way to live. You can add to me, but you can't take anything from me. So until next week, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. If you like this podcast, you can always be a sponsor. You can check the link in my bio on my Instagram page and support the podcast. Check out this week's playlist on my personal Spotify account and join me on Instagram at Love Letters and Mixtapes.